Have you ever wondered how a song is made? How it starts? What happens during the recording process? How does an idea become that beautiful three-minute thing you hear on the radio? My name is Emmeline, and in Journey of a Song, I take you on a tour of a musician's creative process, from the very first notes to the final, fully produced progression. As a singer-songwriter and an independent recording artist, I am intimately familiar with the magic of music creation, but I also know that each song has its own sacred story. Each week, I'll be talking to a different songwriter as they pull back the curtain on a favorite composition, beginning with the acoustic version of the song and ending with the final recorded product. In between, you'll hear a conversation about the inspiration behind the song, the decisions made in the recording booth, and the many ways in which music reflects and informs our emotions and our lives. This week, my guest is the dynamic, introspective Billy Law. Bassist for Ottoman Turks and co-founder of Dallas's Wavelength magazine, Billy Law is now stepping decisively into the spotlight with his first full-length album, Alone Somewhere. He's here today to talk about one of the new record's contemplative acoustic gems, Houston. Welcome back to Journey of a Song. My name is Emmeline, and my guest today is the fantastic Billy Law. How are you doing, my friend? I am just doing so well. It is an honor to be on the show with you. It's such an honor to have you here. And on release week. Yes, release week. The craziest week ever. (laughs) You just released a beautiful record called Alone Somewhere. Yeah, I did. Uh, Last Friday, August 20th. And I'm so excited because we're going to delve into the record, but especially into your song, Houston. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to uh, tell all. Excellent. (laughs) Well, before we get into it, we're going to let our listeners hear the acoustic version of your song right now. Your voice was on my mind But it is almost every day I try to keep from looking it's a dangerous place to stay it Seems like everyone is gone I'm taken by the road I remember when you used to say Things were different and they wouldn't be the same. Why am I the same? Jim Dawson and Mother Jazz rolled their sleeves up for me. I never even noticed Till I crossed my own red sea And how am I supposed to feel As I watch myself drown Try to knock me over See if I fall down Seems like everyone is gone Taking better road I remember when you used to say Things were different and they wouldn't be the same Why am I the same? Why am I the same? Why am I the same? Yay! Thank you you so much for playing, my friend. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, it's so beautiful to hear the song on guitar. Yeah, that's where it was originally written, as are most of my songs. But I really wanted to have a song with with the feel that we got, at least on the record, of just like a piano in a room 
type sound and this song kind of fit that perfectly so we moved it over to piano yeah you get that really organic feeling this song feels very much like an internal monologue yeah so it's called houston my first my first big boy job after i graduated college was in houston and um, i wrote this song the first day i moved there and the whole album is is really kind of like early 20s finding yourself type stuff um that's that's the concept of the whole record and this this song definitely um is right there like first real time out of the house doing stuff on your own and it kind of talks about uh, my parents in there and, and just what it's like to kind of finally be doing stuff on your own and and that's scary but interesting i was in a new city i didn't really know anyone in houston i was born and raised in dallas so um it was it was exciting and weird time and i just sat down and wrote that song like literally the first day i was there in a very short amount of time actually yeah it seems like one of those songs that sort of tumbled out in full for sure yeah and we didn't i didn't really want to add anything to it also like when it came time to make decisions on um, production like we could have added some more parts to it edited it and made it more like full band friendly but i was like what's the point of that it completely takes away from the essence of what the song's trying to get across i was gonna say too if the song is about that realization of what it's like to be alone for the first time if you throw a yeah. bunch of stuff on it then you lose the musical sensation of being alone yeah, absolutely. And to kind of like circle back on that original question, like I think the song is definitely like from the point of view of me in that moment, but it's also like there's some kind of like childish aspects of it, like losing touch with that part of yourself or like realizing that that part of you, you is over. And since I kind of, well, not specifically, vaguely call my parents out in that second verse. It was really cool. We like set up a mobile rig to record the song and went to my parents' house and my mom is playing piano on it. And it's at like the piano that I learned how to play piano on and everything like in her little teaching studio. So that's a little nugget that not a lot of people get because you can't tell all that from from listening to it. But I, that's really cool and special to me. That is really neat. So you got to record the song in the place kind of about which it was written, right? Basically, yeah. My mom was um, was a jazz vocalist for, for a really long time and, and taught like jingle singing at Collin County. Oh, wow. Um, but she kind of gave that up when she had kids and became uh, like a choir teacher, voice teacher and whatnot. So, so music was always kind of a part of my life, but I have a lot of memories of playing piano and, and singing in that room. So for us to be able to record that song there was, was really special. You know, the song feels, despite the fact that it's just you and the piano, the song feels very full. Thank you. Like it feels like there's a lot there. And I think some of that is probably the emotional magnitude of being able to do that. Yeah. You know, I think for everyone, it's always like weird when people say there's like energy in a room or like, oh, we went and recorded at this studio because I don't know, the Rolling Stones peed in that in that studio like on on that amp so we use it and has you know this great rolling stones energy like i don't believe in that or didn't believe in that kind of stuff but it's it's totally there like it affects you it really does and maybe to the average person recording it somewhere else wouldn't make that big of a difference but really it does yeah i i think that it's the emotional energy the room holds for you right like if you're yes, for sure if you're a huge stones fan I can imagine that being in the place where, you know, one of the stones peed on the amp, you're like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this exactly. is tremendous. I feel yeah. the energy of the stones in every corner of here. But, you know, somebody who's just like a passing music fan is probably like, oh, cool fact. Yeah, yeah. I probably won't touch the knobs on that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Does that one go to 11? No, yeah. but I mean, I think that, you know, you bring you bring your weight of experience to a space too. For sure. And when the space holds that for you, I think that's an energy that you feel. We were talking before hitting record about the importance of crowd energy Yes. at a live show. It's and I think it almost hard retweet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that so, one. Yeah, some people like it doesn't really even, doesn't matter. In fact, some people are like good if there's only like three people listening. But for me, I'm like, I'm just, there's too much room for thought, mm. you know? Yeah, you need somebody else to come in and break up the space. Yes, for sure. That and I don't know. I'm one of those people that I would play music in my bedroom by myself and that would be okay. But when I write a song that I want to share, I want to share it with people. So a live show is very intentionally my attempt to connect with people. 
Absolutely. Now, I think songs are always like ways for, for us as artists to kind of process thoughts, feelings, emotions. But th- there's something so weird about the fact that we also have like this intense desire to share that with other people. So you connect with yourself and then you're like, oh, maybe this connects with other people too. And that gives me a greater connection to them by connecting with myself more, you know? Yeah. And I mean, those are different parts of the process, right? Yes. Like, are sure. you somebody who needs to be alone to write? Yes, <laughs> for sure. I, I've, I've tried a, a lot of different methods, but yes, usually I got to be on a couch, got to mm. be comfortable and, and yeah, just let it come. Since I have had a child, there's been less time for writing and I'm trying to figure out how writing fits into that. But yes, usually I just got to be comfortable sitting down and alone with the lights down low. All right. Okay. That's where the songs come. Yeah. So it sounds like you do sort of isolate yourself in multiple ways. Like there's a little bit of sensory deprivation and the loss of light. Um, yeah, I think just generally in my life, uh, like, you know, <laughs> I like to sit on couches and have the lights off. <laughs> like that sounds like a great Friday night to me. Excellent. Um, but yeah, creating comfort lets that muscle work. Yeah. I think that that's the mark of adulthood too, right? Is that realization that maybe it is a great Friday night to sit on the couch with the lights off. Yeah, I think I was wise beyond my age for many years because that was pretty much always my idea. <laughs> You're like, no, this is good. We'll just <laughs> like, stay here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife still makes fun of me. We knew each other in junior high and she's mm-hmm. like, you were still like, I'd be like, all right, we're going out on Friday night, like big party. And I was like, ah, man, I was going to go to sleep at 830 tonight. I was looking forward to that. So yeah, not much has changed. That's awesome. And I think, you know, the poignant questions that you're asking in the song kind of lend themselves to that moment of reflection that happens when you're alone on a couch. Yeah. Or just when you're alone with your thoughts, which, you know, most of us have been for the past 13 months in a different way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when that chorus seems like everyone's gone, taken by the road, that was definitely, I mean, that's pretty on the nose. Like I, I was, I was far away down the highway from everyone and every everybody that I knew and yeah. what happens now and my dad his uh words of comfort are were often if things were different they wouldn't be the same and I thought that was the stupidest thing I had heard for so long until it clicked like what that really meant and then it was like oh my gosh my dad's the wisest person that's ever walked the earth you know if if things weren't the way they were then they wouldn't be the way they were or way they are and little things make a big difference Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I love that you talk about your dad and his wisdom sort of being the impetus for the line that drives the chorus home. Because I think that happens to so many of us where parents say something over and over and over when we're kids and we're like, oh, this again. For sure. And then then you become an adult and you're like, oh. Yeah. I I won't go like too much into it, but there's definitely, there's a line that my mom said. I mean, she just said it once, but I I didn't get it until like years down the road, which is going to be like the theme for my whole next record. So parents, yeah, they have a way of doing that. And it's funny because I don't know if this happens to you. I think it happens with more like country adjacent songwriters where it's like everybody wants to, they love throwing, they're like, what if you wrote a song about this? And they'll like throw a line. Like, have you ever had that happen to you? Oh, all the time. I It's kind of annoying because it's usually like, they're usually like really bad, but it's like, it's the th- you know, as like an artist, like the things that I'm getting from you are not like your big idea. You go write that song. It's the things that y'all say under your breath or in passing that are so meaningful. It's like, you don't need to like, I'm gonna probably write a song about something you say, but it's not gonna be the thing that you're like, you should write a song about this. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the thing that you're like, this is the greatest wisdom I have to offer. It's like the face you made at somebody else when they were crossing the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was big to me. The most interesting things about people, I think, are the people they are when we're not looking at them or when they think we're not looking at them. Yeah. Uh, one of the most beautiful lines in all the songs that were ever written is uh, Tom Waits in uh, Hold On. and says, mm. it's so hard to dance that way when it's cold and there's no music. And he's just Ooh. talking about this this girl that's like on the street as he's in the bus and he's driving by and she's just like dancing and there's no music to like noise watching. And oof, good one. Yeah. Yeah. There's that John Mayer song, Comfortable, where he writes about, you know, this girl who poses for pictures that aren't being taken. <laughs> and like everybody knows that girl. Yeah, for sure. And and you know that that girl would not want a song written about that part of her. Right. She's like, no, write about how beautiful I am. Yes, exactly. Write, write about the photoshopped ones. 
Exactly. Yeah. I, I love that you highlight that. I do. I get suggestions about you should write a song about that all the time. So yeah, don't worry. You'll get your song, but it might be a little mean. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> drama, drama, drama. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's an important aspect of what it means to be a songwriter, though, is this sort of observation of life in quiet moments in moments that don't seem obvious, because that's where a lot of the growth and a lot of the self-realization and a lot of the sort of reckoning with what life means happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the little moments. It's the seconds. It yeah. really is. And it, it's like the places that we are for like a second, you know, because that might not be what we, you know, that doesn't necessarily embody us. Or maybe that's not really even my opinion of something, but something that I say like in a, in a split second can have a lot of meaning. Yeah, for sure. Often when we're not trying. Yes, well, usually, right? <laughs> when we're trying to say something <laughs> deep and meaningful, that's when it doesn't yeah, happen. Never works out. No. Yeah, but it's the effortless realization or the effortless observation that comes out, like you said, under your breath and a side comment when you think nobody's paying attention that you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, for sure. So what was the thing that your mom used to say or the one thing that your mom said? Oh, I actually just, I just said that. I was mad at what someone posted on social media. I was like, man, that's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. And I don't think they even believe that. And she's like, well, you know, that's where they were for a second. That's like, I mean, that really is such a big statement because we all are like constantly somewhere for a second. And it doesn't mean that i don't know i can have a thought for a second that doesn't mean that i will act on it it doesn't mean that that's like who i am or necessarily what i think but it is also like an important thing to to know that i have that thought or feeling feelings especially you know sorry for the canine interruption hashtag pandemic life i think yeah, yeah I, I like that you highlight that i was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking uh -oh. about how the shelf life of a feeling is 90 seconds yeah like that's how long a feeling lasts it's just 90 seconds and if we didn't think about it if we didn't like attempt to resolve it in our head or work on it, it with our brain exactly feed it with thoughts it would dissolve in 90 seconds yeah and i don't think that, <laughs> i don't know in this context like posting on social media like it takes takes some effort to like put something out there but you know it might just be what they thought for a second you know maybe like six months down the road they could look at that i mean i have time hop i see what i post like in past years like every day and i'm like man this is hugely embarrassing like <laughs> the i mean i thought that was like important or funny or like whatever like this is really bad um just the, the seconds that are where that like emotional um storm builds up enough for you to act is really interesting because like you said if you take a long breath it's gone if you would let it yeah i i love that you highlight time hop i think i, I heard grace pettis play the kessler once and she said that songwriters are unique in that every feeling makes us feel sort of like we've discovered fire and we have to tell everyone else about it because it's as important as the discovery of fire. And that's what drives a songwriter to write a song is this moment of like this this 90 seconds in my brain everyone needs to know about yeah let me let me tell you i'm about to work on a um three-year album like project because i had a feeling for 90 seconds exactly yes that man that is our burden and the internet has sort of made everyone songwriters in that respect because everybody's like i had a thought it is the most important thought i need to share it i gotta mm -hmm. post it yes i gotta turn it into a pithy 200 right and then tweet. yes and and now i can respond to your thought with my 90 seconds of of feeling about your thought that i didn't even fully understand thus creating a tree branch of yeah of insanity yes tree branch of insanity there's your band name right there but that's <laughs> tree branch of insanity that'll be our like we will have heavy. to be some very obscure cover band tree branch of insanity yeah yeah yeah, like some bizarre acoustic, deeply acoustic. meditative U2 cover band. Oh, I was, I was thinking like metal, but I could do could acoustic do U2. I don't know, maybe acoustic metal U2 covers. That sounds great. Boom. Done. Pay Excellent. me. Coming to a venue near you. Tree branch of insanity. Yeah. Joshua Tree Branch of Insanity. There, there you go. go. That's See, how we, that's what we do. There's the U2 cover brand. Yeah, I was thinking about that record cover. The importance of a thought 
but the flip side of that, right, is that you play a song like this and you ask this poignant question, like, why am I the same? And I think that that's a question that a lot of us think, especially when we see people in our lives, quote unquote, moving on, right? Yeah. Growing in a way that we feel like we haven't grown yet or feeling things that we think we should feel that we haven't felt yet. Or, I mean, just, I don't know. We, we all just have such a bad read on where people are at because it's just impossible to see it from the outside. And I think there's always this thought that, I mean, we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So I'm never moving at the rate that everyone else is. You know, that's the monologue in our heads constantly. Like, I'm not moving at the rate that they are, blah, blah, blah. Whereas they're looking at us and saying the same thing. And we're all just miserable because of it. And so there's that aspect. There's there's the aspect of like everything's changing around me or I'm being given second chances, second opportunities, and I'm still making the same mistake. There's a lot of different ways to take that, which makes it more fun. Yeah. And I think that when you give into your desire to give voice to those 90 seconds, right? To that 90 second feeling, when you allow the brain to feed that with thought and you pull a song out of it, or the song pulls itself out and you become the conduit for that, which so often is sort of how those things go for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, Especially when sure. they emerge fully formed. Yes. It's like some magic happened that I feel like I had nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah. Except that I wrote down whatever happened in the universe. Yeah. I blacked out. What happened? Kind of. Yeah. For sure. It's kind of like, did you see Soul, the Pixar movie Soul? You're the second person to talk to me about that movie in the last 24 hours. Okay. Well. So apparently I need to, to see it. Soul. I mean, uh, for me, uh, all Pixar movies are required watching like as soon as they come out i'm like i'm going to watch that so but yeah soul is just like getting lost in your thing it happens and it's a real thing and i mean it happens to people not just musicians yeah and i think by giving voice to that 90 seconds you give other people sort of permission to think through that or you give them the comfort of knowing that that cancer of comparison with which we're all infected isn't a real thing because really this is how people are feeling deep down yeah, and it's 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 like those if the ninety seconds thing is hey you know I I hope that someone can listen to the song and say hey I had that ninety seconds too mm -hmm. glad to know we don't have to hang on to it but it is a common thing and it's okay for me to be there for ninety seconds yeah or two and a half minutes or twenty something years you know yeah break yeah. out of it eventually. Absolutely. But you give people sort of permission to sit with it. And the only way out of a feeling I think is through. And I think that's the gift of music, especially music like this, that speaks to something honest that we don't always think of as something we would put on the gram or something yeah, post to Facebook. For um, sure. Except in our dark poet teen years. Yeah. Um, or, or if you're me, just like I always only ever really want to listen to depressing music. That is like what there's that's where my dopamine comes from is like, <laughs> give me the saddest song. Music. Yeah. Let me sit on the couch, get the room dark, play some sad songs like that's make me feel good. <laughs> yeah. So, what's, what's your go to sad couch song right now? Sad couch song right now. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, you know what I am like? I'm obsessed with this song right now. Do you know 17 by Sharon Von Etten? Mm -hmm. That song just destroys me every time I hear it. And I listen to it like 14 times a day. But yeah, I'm not allowed to play it in the car anymore. But <laughs> but like, I love that song. I, it's so beautiful. That's That's my drug of choice right now. That's awesome. That's cool. We'll link it in the show notes. That's awesome. Yes. You played an Olivia Rodrigo cover too. Yeah, you bet your, your booty I did. I love that album. It's great. Yes. But it's also one of those sort of sit in your feelings records. Yeah, it is. It's a little all over the place, genreized, which is cool. But yeah, definitely the tone overall is. Um, uh, <laughs> that. I hope you all heard um, me go. Sound of a bomb uh, dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I wanted to play something that was recognizable by everyone and not just like a cover that I liked, which is always, I feel like what artists do. Cause it's like, man, this song's really important to me. And that's great. I'm not, you know, that's amazing. I was just like, I want to do something that I can kind of put my own spin on. It makes it sound like a Billy Law song, but everyone knows what it is. And um, yeah, I love that song. I love that record. I'm excited for what Olivia puts out in the future. Yeah. Enough for you is the song off that record that just destroys me every time. 
like yeah, oh that's a good one the yeah the bridge on driver's license is like the greatest section of music that i've ever heard in my entire life did you see the snl skit about that? yes i did and it made it even better <laughs> Yeah, I was, man, it's so good. Every time I'm just like, oh. Yeah, as a music teacher, which is my day job, I have taught that song over and over and over and over and over. And we've had that conversation about getting into your feels, allowing that 90 seconds to take you over and really just being present because the bridge of that song should be gut-wrenching. Yes, it like should. You should feel that in the very depths of your bones. Yeah, the production... Everything, everything about it is just like they, you know, you know what it's like to hear things through studio monitors, like the first time you record them and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what that room was like on the bridge the first time it just dropped. Like, I bet they were like, we're going to be rich. <laughs> like, they wrote that song in a garage. Like they wrote and recorded it in a garage. Oh, really? Uh-huh. During I didn't the pandemic. Know yeah. I, being a music nerd, I look up all these things. I'm like, oh, how did this happen? How did this happen? You, modern, I mean, we didn't record anything on this album. There's a song called Anything. So I'll say we didn't record any of the songs on this album in a, actual, a proper studio. My drummer, Marshall Pruitt, mixed and produced and engineered everything. And he works out of like Echo Lab now a lot. But back then we did everything at his house, except for Houston at my parents' house. So modern technology allows for studios to be anywhere and yeah. you don't lose a lot. I mean, if you can get a good room to do drums in, like everything else is whatever. Yeah. You mentioned Marshall in an Instagram post recently. Yes. He's the best. He like, he puts so much time and effort and energy into this project. It's like kind of insane and if i hadn't had him with me then the project never would have gotten done because i started this project when i finally quit my job in houston and moved back to do music and um i just didn't i don't know i didn't have a band i didn't really have a good idea for how to arrange things and obviously i had no idea how to record stuff so i like we started and stopped the whole project i think three times like i started it and i was like i don't like this delete it all moving on somewhere else and uh yeah so um i was glad to finally end up find myself in the arms of marshall pruitt because he uh he pulled all the right triggers yeah he did an incredible job the record sounds incredible you guys all obviously put a lot of heart into it yeah thank you you are an incredibly dynamic songwriter and an incredibly dynamic performer you take the audience especially in a live show thank over the you. course of a song from the quietest level like the most contemplative space to this sort of insanely electric, ecstatic moment. And then you pull it all back down. Thank and that you. happens over the course of your show again and again and again. And it was very cool. So you recently did your CD release with Chris J. Yeah. Norwood, who was on the show last week. Mm -hmm. And you guys did it at the Kessler, which has incredible sound. Like that room is just the phenomenal. Best, the best in Dallas. I think so that room is just, yeah. And I watched you do this with the audience over and over and over again. And it, it felt very organic. Like that was sort of how you all wanted to just take the highs and take the lows. And the audience was 100% invested in, in that journey with you. Did you all feel that possibility when recording the record? Um, yes, for sure. Dynamics were a constant topic of conversation. And they, they are just generally in my songs. And I mean, building a set list is, I think of it, in much the same way mm -hmm. which is why i don't play houston all that often is because it is like at the bottom as far as that goes and so we have anything in houston and so if i don't have a long enough set i can't really put both of those songs in there mm -hmm. because then we double dip dynamics are very important to me i grew up like the first band that was really like mine was jimmy eat world futures do you know that album Oh yeah, I've okay. seen Javi World live multiple times. Yes, okay. Well, they're incredible live. Um, yeah. Clarity is like one of my favorite albums of all time. But uh, Future's the last song on that album, 23. You know that one? Mm -hmm. uh, I told Marshall, I was like, dude, we're writing the America, or like we're going to make the Americana version of 23 slowly and we're going to put it at the end of the album. That's like, we're just going to have a billion guitars on there. And we're going to like, we're just going to just slow rise this into, you know, oblivion. And I, I don't know, that song's really important to me. And I feel like it shapes like what I want out of a song and dynamics are really important to me. My wife is always 
when she listens to anything, she's when you listen not that song. When she listens to any song that anyone writes, she's always like, "Man, it didn't go anywhere." Like, oh. and so I always keep that in mind. I'm like, "Man, how much fun is it like for a song to really be a ride?" You know, there can be country songs that just do this the whole time, and that's fine if they're catchy enough. But it's like I want, you know, I want to add some depth to it. So building up and and coming down is is so much fun. And when you, the bigger the band, like the more you can accentuate that. So. It's, dynamics i think are, are big they're a way into people's feels also like that's an easy way to create a feeling that you want out of someone well, i think our job as musicians is not only to speak to people with lyrics but to speak to people with music to use sort of the part underneath the words to grab at the part of us that is underneath words that can't quite be reached with syllables yeah i mean in every way my mom used to say to her choir back in the days like whatever you're singing like the way your face looks how does that make people feel Mm. and so that needs to be working in tandem with what you're doing so like your body language and everything is important yeah do you feel like you were influenced a lot by hearing your mom talk about music yeah I mean I still I still always get critiques anytime I'm you know she's always got an opinion but I respect her opinion because she knows what she's talking about so yeah she's she's a huge influence it's nice to have her this incredibly talented and knowledgeable musician and my dad who knows nothing about music except like I mean he loves music but like as far as the theory of it goes he's he's a fan so it's nice to have both of those things yeah they've actually said about the producer Rick Rubin that that's how he goes in is he just goes in as a fan often in his bathrobe apparently have you seen Dave the little dicky show it's on FX it's on Hulu or whatever but there's this whole episode about him like preparing to work with Rick Rubin and like the the mystery behind it it's pretty amazing like you don't even have to watch the rest of the show if you just watch that episode like it's pretty funny yeah they were talking i guess it was the dixie chicks who were talking in a rolling stone interview about how he goes in like in his bathrobe and sits down closes his eyes and is like the bridge isn't loud enough and then just leaves like that's that's his (laughs) that's where it is yeah man we all wish that we were like that don't we I think instead we're up at night, like losing sleep, like, man, what if the snare sounded a little bit different? (laughs) Was that one of the journeys that you went on with this record was tweaking all of that? Was that one of the things that you scrapped? Well, I mean, the yes, but the, the main thing was like, I don't talk that I don't speak engineer well. So it's hard for me to communicate that to someone. And I think people came in with some, I mean, just with the name Billy Law, everyone has an expectation of something. And it's not, it's really not like people are like, oh, wow, this is going to be very country, you know, whatever. And then you get to the show or listen to the music like, "Uh, this is not, this doesn't sound like a person named Billy Law. And I think people had that expectation when they were recording. And also I just didn't have good arrangements and I didn't have enough time with the band to work something out that we liked. With Marshall, I sent him a ton of music and was like, you know, I like, I like this, the way this makes me feel, blah, 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 blah. And eventually it came out, you know, the way that I really wanted it to be. But it's hard to speak uh, engineer because they're always trying to make it sound the best it can to an engineer. And as an artist, that's not really always what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you want the reality of it. Yeah, I mean, like with anything, finally actually talking about the song and Houston, like those are both room sound. Those are recorded like to sound like they're in a room and they were recorded that way. They are not like the most hi-fi recordings of all time, but it was intentional for it to sound that way. Yeah, you and know? I, you hear more of the humanness of a song that way. Right. When it's been produced so much that it sounds technically perfect to a technician, often in my experience, that pulls the emotion out of it. Yeah, it can for sure. And if you want like a really amazing pop track where you just dance around and what you're listening for is the amalgamation of beats and instruments and sounds over the course of, you know, the three minutes and the build and the drop, then that can be really valuable. But for those of us that like to sit on a couch in the dark, you know, we want a song that makes us feel something. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's room for both. There's room for everything. Yeah, for sure. So how, how did you find Marshall? How did you guys get hooked up? So let's see. I had been trying to kind of put a band together for a while. Um, and we finally had a, a lineup. Michael, the guy that was playing keys at the Kessler show was originally our drummer. He's like a a jazz boy student at UNT, but he's just a really, really talented musician and great guy. And he was playing drums with us. He's also playing drums in another band. And then 
school just became a lot. So he's like, man, I, I just can't make it to everything that we're doing. But here is a friend that I know from high school that just moved to Dallas from Austin and is just like trying to get involved in the scene. So Marshall, he introduced me to Marshall, who kind of like, I was like, you play drums, I need a drummer. And he's like, cool. And he's like, also, I'm just trying to like record people right now. And I was like, boy, do I have a deal for you? Uh, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So that like, it couldn't have gone better. Honestly, it's like, hey, I need a drummer and someone to record an album. And so that worked out. And now Michael is a little bit less busy. So he gets to come in and do whatever he wants in my eyes. I'm like, man, if Marshall can't make it, you could play drums. If you want to just come sing backup, come do that. If you want to play keys, do it. And uh, it makes it fun. Yeah. I love that you highlight how serendipitous that was. Yes, it really was. I mean, this <laughs> like kind of crazy, honestly. Well, but so often when things are sort of meant to be, quote unquote, I think they work that way. Where you couldn't they, have planned it and you couldn't recreate it if you tried. Yes, for sure. If things were different, they wouldn't be the same, you know? I have heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wise man once said. Yeah. You have this kind of gut punch of a verse at the end. How am I supposed to feel as I watch myself drown? Yeah. And then, you know, you have the lion trying to knock me over and see if I fall down. Yeah. I think, can you speak a little bit to that verse? Yeah. So I'll, I'll set it up in the, in the, in the previous verse, Jim, Jim Dawson and Mother Jazz. Jim Dawson is uh, the play cowboy name that my dad made for himself when he was a kid playing cowboys and Indians. Um, it's also the brand of whiskey on my album cover. And then Mother Jazz is me referring to my mom, who was a jazz vocalist. That's also the band name on my hat on the album cover. And it says Jim Dawson and Mother Jazz rolled their sleeves up for me, but I didn't even notice until I crossed my own Red Sea. So basically just talking about, you know, growing up, how much your parents do for you. Now that I have a kid, even more so, I understand like you can't ever comprehend how much your parents love you and how much they sacrifice and all that they do for you. And when you finally take those first steps out the door and have to do stuff on your own, you start to really see that. And so in this analogy, the crossing of the Red Sea, the sea is parted. They've crossed over to the other side. So now it's my turn. And I feel like I'm drowning in it. I feel like yeah. it's it's coming in on me. And so the the question is, try to knock me over, see if I fall down, is, I don't know, I'm taking a beating. Am I going to make it across? Yeah. I love that image of sort of your parents as, you know, God's holding up the sea. Yeah. Leaving it parted for you. And then mm. sort of having to reckon with what happens when nobody's holding it up anymore. Yeah. I often likened adulthood when I had first graduated college to being like dumped in a forest. <laughs> it is. In the dark. With no compass. With no compass, no flashlight, yeah. and people were no just No couch, like, no sad songs. Luck. Yeah, it was like Bear Gorillas before that was a thing. <laughs> like, just go. Yeah, do it, it is. And it's funny, like, looking back on that now, you know, like, as you get older, you're like, wow, like, it was so easy. Like... <laughs> But, you know, in, the, in for those 90 seconds, in that moment, it was like, oh, gosh, like what I need, you know, <laughs> I have to provide for myself. And that's a scary thought. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the other thing that makes it scary, right, is that I don't know about you, but I entered adulthood kind of feeling like sort of like what you describe from your parents, like, oh, these adults have figured out how to part the sea. Like these people have figured out how to keep things going. They figured out how to game the system. They figured out how to survive. And, and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, does anybody know what they're doing? Yeah. The answer is no. Exactly. Um, but, but you're always like, once as we like circle back, like, yeah, you're always comparing yourself and it always looks like everyone has their stuff together, but that's why hashtag adulting is constantly trending is because people are like, man, this is this whole like living thing is tough. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're it's just like, everything is hard. <laughs> Literally all of it is difficult. Yeah. I mean like every, yes, just keeping track of everything and the more you think about it the uh the bigger the waves get yeah i mean beautifully messily difficult but difficult and i think there is a lot of comfort in realizing oh no i don't know what i'm doing and that's okay also mm -hmm. nobody knows what they're doing and that's okay and i think when you make peace with that feeling 
that's when real adulthood starts. Yeah, that's that's like the very end of the album, slowly. On the last day, be sure that you've made something real. Go and find what you love, wear it thin. Know it hurts just to feel, but that's what it is to be real. Like, I mean, really, like, once you figure out that having feelings is important, understanding those feelings is important, and being able to be um, vulnerable with those feelings, that's that's when you're real. That's like when... Uh, Velveteen Rabbit, right? <laughs> Yes, we could we could do a whole thing on slowly. Uh, that chorus was uh, like based on a whole song that I was writing on Velveteen Rabbit, and and then I I took it out and and put it in with the rest of the song. But yes, so like it's such an important lesson, and like there's this episode I don't want to Louis C.K. You know, but he has this really good episode uh, on his show where it's talking about he's like so sad that he's heartbroken, mm-hmm. and there's this old guy, and he's like, dude, this is the good part. Like when you don't miss her anymore, that's when things are really like bad. But like the missing that person, the like feeling in your feels about it, that's that's the best part because hmm. that's like the most human. That's quite profound for Louis C.K. Uh, well, he's a really profound guy. Just has got some serious issues. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, you know, I, I I think he had some good thoughts, but ultimately, I am not condoning Louis C.K. Yes, to all of that. But yes. I think I think that highlights an important thing that, yeah, the, like the messy, the hurt, the in your feels, that is the sweet spot, right? Because that's that's when you really know you're alive. When you're void of feeling, that's when you're in real trouble. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I appreciate the most about the space that you've left in the production of this song is that you give people space to feel how they're going to feel about the answer to that question. Thank Why you. am I the same? Because that I think you know, we all wrestle with that feeling of being left behind at one point or another, or, you know, feeling like we're stuck in some phase of life or not where we're supposed to be. You know, I teach, I teach undergrads and we talk a lot about supposed to and should and how toxic those words can be Yeah, just because they shut you down immediately and they prevent you from growing because you don't let yourself. Yeah. I I can't say that better than what you just said. (laughs) The way you said it is uh, exactly right. I mean, it's, you create this opportunity for failure immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like predestined failure. Like you've already decided that you failed. Yes. So why, why even try? But, but I think in leaving space and being able to hear the sounds of the room and the sounds of the piano, which makes such a difference. Yes. Like those little creaks and those little reverberations that feels different. Yeah, it does. And it, it creates, yes, it, it like kind of, you know, when you're reading a book and you have an idea of what all the characters look like in all the rooms and stuff like you watch the movie and it like kind of takes that away from you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like with hearing all those room sounds or whatever, you get to create, um, you get to create the room in your mind. Yeah, for sure. And you give people space to be in that room. Yeah. And to sit with that question and to be okay. Because I mean, the song ends with a question. You don't offer the answer. I don't have any answers. Tie it up with a bow. But that's the point, right? Is you don't tie it up with a bow. You don't tell people like, stay tuned. I will fix all of your problems. You sort of say by concluding in that way, look, it's okay to not know. Yeah. Like sometimes the question is the aspect of life with which we're meant to reckon. Sometimes it's not about digging around until you find the answer. Sometimes it's just acknowledging that you have the question and letting yourself feel that letting yourself have those 90 seconds giving yourself the space sonically and emotionally to just be yeah one hundo i'm excited i'm excited to get to share the recorded version of this with everyone who's listening i am super excited for the new record it's beautiful man you've done an incredible job thank you so much uh it really feels good to finally have something out there in the world what was the process how long did it take from start to finish long time (laughs) <laughs> so like I said, like the album, I started it when I moved back. That must have been 2017. Yeah, 2017. And we like scrapped it and started it over on a couple of different occasions. And then finally, I think it took us like a year and a half to really track everything. I got married during that process and uh, was doing a ton of stuff with with Ottoman Turks. And so I didn't really have the opportunity to just be like, we're going to go into the studio for two weeks and get everything tracked. So we were doing gorilla sessions, you know, like here's three hours here, three hours here. So it took us a really long time to track it. 
we finished tracking the day before lockdowns, literally the day before, like it was, we had um, played a couple of shows that week and things were starting to feel weird. And then we were like, okay, let's, let's get this done. And then the next day, like everything shut down. So Marshall and I went back and forth on mixes and edits digitally, basically. Yeah. And so we spent all of, or that first like nine months of COVID basically doing that. And then we sent it off to get it mastered. And then, um, yeah. So then we were sitting on it until COVID was over and it's not over, but it died down enough for us to have a real release. So it's a long process. <laughs> yeah. But I love, I love that you highlight that. And I think it's so important for any of our listeners who are listening, who are artists, who are thinking, why is this taking so long? Why is this so hard? Maybe this should be easier for me if I were meant to do this. The answer is no matter what it is, you have to fight for it. Yeah, you do. And I don't, no one has any idea of all of the things that have to be done to get a properly mixed and mastered song. Like I think a lot of people and you tell them like, Oh, we're going to go in, do a 12 hour. Like we're going to go into the studio for three days straight, 12 hours each day. And hopefully we come back having drums finished. People are like, what are y'all like smoking in there? Like it's (laughs) like, no, it just takes a long time to do these things properly. And I didn't really want to take any shortcuts. So we didn't. And it takes a longer time to do it that way. But I am happy with the product. I was like, it sounds better as a result. Yes, it does. And I can be proud of it. I don't have to like um, sit and be frustrated with what we didn't do. Because ultimately, it's going to be out longer than it is me work on it. (laughs) You know, like the time that I spent working on it. So it's important to take the long way around. (laughs) Yeah, to make sure that you feel proud of the product and proud of the thing that you can share with people. Yes, for sure. So yeah, it was a really long process. And like a lot of those songs changed so much while we were doing them because we were still trying to figure out, you know, what the album is going to feel like and sonically sound like and and kind of what genre Billy, like which genres Billy Law is going to tap into. It sounds beautiful. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. So before people hear the recorded version of Houston, if People are thinking, wow, Billy Law sounds awesome. This all sounds amazing. Uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. I want to follow the musical journey. I want to check out the shows when it's safe. Where's the best place for them to find you? The best place to find me is on the internet. Now, which branches of the internet? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a lot of fun on Twitter. A Billy Law is my tag on all of those. Awesome. Um, I am the beautiful face that pops up when you search that. Um, I am on Spotify and Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, whatever that is, YouTube. Um, all of the places you can find music, you can find me if you search Billy Law. That's so. awesome. And that's B I L L Y L A W. That's correct. For those of you who are listening on the radio, and if you're listening on a podcast, just scroll up and click and we'll have it linked below. Thank you so much, my friend, for taking the time. I know, right, right here. Yes. I've always wanted to like do that. <laughs> like They do on The Voice where they're like, vote for me. Um, click on me. For those of you who aren't watching the video version of this, Philly pointed to the bottom of the screen so that you know exactly where to click. And remember um, to like and subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> I'm also pointing to those buttons now too. I love that on YouTube. Oh, man. What a strange world in which we live. It's a weird one. Thank you so big, much. A big friend. old goofy word, world, as John Prine says. Yes. And may he rest in peace, man. What yes. a great songwriter. The best. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you about this song. I can't wait for everyone to hear the recorded version to get to hear the creaks of that beautiful piano. Oh, it's this has been really fun. Really fun. I feel like we could have done this for a long, long time. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all don't move on to something else. Y'all just let this ride and listen to the next episode after you hear this one. Aw, thanks, Um, friend. I appreciate that. We'll have to have you back. Okay. We'll just have to don't tempt me with a good time. (laughs) Oh, it will be a blast. Um, I am so grateful for your presence in the music world, especially in Dallas. I'm glad you came back to us here in the Big D. 
And um, I'm I, so grateful for the open mic that you ran with Brittany and all of the cool things that you guys have done and continue to do. It's been very exciting to get to be a part of some of that and to watch it unfold. So thanks for sharing well, your talent. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for having me and doing your part too. You make beautiful music too. And you're, uh, you're spreading, <laughs> spreading the gospel through this podcast. That's cool. Thank you, my friend. That means a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing we have to do is play the recorded version of Houston. Would you like to introduce your song? Ladies and gentlemen, Houston by Billy Law on his debut album, Alone Somewhere. Your voice was on my mind. It is almost every day. Try to keep from looking back It's a dangerous place to stay Seems like everyone is gone Taken by the road I remember when you for joining me for this week's episode of Journey of a Song featuring Billy Law and his beautiful song Houston. To learn more about Billy or to follow his musical journey, you can find him on all of your favorite social media sites at at Law. That's at A-B-I-L-L-Y-L-A-W. For behind the scenes glimpses and more about Journey of a Song, follow me on Instagram at at Emmeline Music. That's at E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E Music. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, Journey of an Artist, wherever you listen to podcasts. Journey of a Song airs Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Deep LM Radio, and each episode is available as a podcast the very next day. Discover new music and hear fascinating stories with me, Emmeline, every Friday on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. This is only the beginning, and I don't want you to miss a single minute of these inspiring conversations. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a song is worth a thousand stories.